Good afternoon, church family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Paul, for the nice uh, brief prayer here. Thank you for the scripture reading. I enjoyed hearing the testimonies while we were in the side room. That was a blessing. So I want to praise my Heavenly Father today for being good to me because I'm one of the most needy. I promise you. So I'm thankful to him. He's very good. I would like to have a brief prayer, and then we will um, examine the subject. I thought it would be very good this time as we're together to take a look at the subject of the latter, early and latter rain and how we can be ready for that and some, some of the points. Um, it's definitely a subject that deserves a lot of attention. We will, by the grace of God, give it some attention today. Before we begin, I'm going to uh, bow and have a brief prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on our meeting, and then um, then we will open uh, the Bible. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we are very thankful that we can be here. We are very thankful for our Savior who mediates for us in heaven, in the sanctuary, in the most holy place, and as you have promised, Lord, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. And we thank you that you're able to save to the uttermost. Please guide my mind and my lips, guide our hearts. We are praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit as we assemble here, and we are praying for your leading and your guidance. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Okay, I'd like for us to just think uh, briefly about our scripture reading that was uh, read a few moments ago in Revelation chapter 7. Um, John sees um, four angels, as he says, standing on the four corners of the earth. And he says, and I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And then, of course, the uh, group is described after that. When When you see the term in the Bible, sealed, it does refer to uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says that when you believed, you were sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. So obviously here in Revelation chapter 7, God has the events in the world in a holding pattern, in a restraint, until he brings his people up to a certain condition of readiness for the final conflict. Um, This has been going on for many years. I'm personally of the view that there is going to come a moment when the Lord will say, ready or not, here I come. And he will have a people that are ready. And I want to be one of them. We're told in the book, Testimonies to Ministers, page 300, that it will soon be seen that God is taking the reins in his own hands. Um, I'd like for you to open your Bibles for a few moments. I want to go back to the book of Jeremiah. I want to look at chapter 5 in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5. So it's after Psalms, 
and Isaiah, and I will go to chapter 5 and begin with um, verse 21. So we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21, if you have your Bibles. Jeremiah 5, 21. Uh, 5.21, beginning there. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord? Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your And then verse 25, your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. So in verse 24, it's talking about the former and the latter rain, which we know is a reference. There was a early and latter rain in the land of Palestine that initiated the harvest growth and then helped bring it to maturity. But in a spiritual sense, you have the early and latter rain at the end of time, which is going to prepare a people for Christ's second coming and also to give the loud cry message, the warning against the beast and his image, and also the revelation of the righteousness of Christ. But in this text here, as in days of old, it applies to our time. God is saying through the prophet, What has stopped the outpouring of the Spirit is your sins and your iniquities have separated between you and me. So God is looking for a people who will, by faith in Christ, get ready for his coming and put away their sins and that they will be earnest and diligent about it. So this is the, this is to be the great, our, our great study. Now, how can I receive the uh, righteousness of Christ? Now, I have here with me, um, and I'll just refer to it very briefly, a book that I think is very wonderful, this large blue book. It's by Ron Duffield, and he, it's about 500 pages in which he gives, and I've read it uh, quite a bit, but he gives um, a study of the history of Adventism, especially around 1888, what happened there, and how the Lord was literally ready back then to... Uh, accelerate the completion of the world's history and pour out the latter rain, the Holy Spirit. But there was certain leading men in the denomination at that time that blocked that, and the Lord has allowed this thing to linger on. Personally, I believe we're at the time now. It's going to come, uh, ready or not. Okay? Um, but I want to read to you a statement here and then go into several points that I believe can be helpful in the reception of the latter rain and, and receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All right? Um, I'm reading a statement here from the book Testimonies to Ministers, uh, page 91. It says this, The Lord in his great mercy sent a most precious message to his people through elders Wagner and Jones. This message was to bring more prominently before the world the uplifted Savior, the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. 
It presented justification through faith in the surety, that is Christ, the surety. It invited the people to receive the righteousness of Christ, which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. So God sent a most precious message to the people. It invited them to receive the righteousness of Christ, which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. And a a little more comment here. I'll read. Many had lost sight of Jesus. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person, his merits, and his changeless love for the human family. All power is given into his hands that he may dispense rich gifts unto men imparting, that is giving, the priceless gift of his own righteousness to the helpless human agent. All power is given into his hands that he may dispense rich gifts unto men, imparting the priceless gift of his own righteousness to the helpless human agent. This is the message that God commanded to be given to the world. It is the third angel's message, which is to be proclaimed with a loud voice and attended with the outpouring of his spirit in a large measure. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out in the latter rain, Christ is going to be uplifted The priceless gift of his own righteousness is going to be presented to the world, and it's going to go with tremendous power. In fact, Ron Duffield has a statement here in his book uh, about when the latter rain does come, that it's going to come with ten times the power that the midnight cry came with, and that would have been in the 1844 movement. Brothers and sisters, we really, really need to be hungering after this, and we really, really need to be examining our lives. You know, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. It can be self-love that will lead us, even when we examine ourselves, to be superficial and not as honest as we should be with God and ourselves and the Holy Spirit. May God help us to examine ourselves, and then to look to Christ. So there's a few things that I believe that are necessary, and I can't cover all the points today, but there's a few things that I believe that are necessary, and we'll take a look at a few of those things here in the few minutes we have. One of those things that it is absolutely certain that is necessary for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the reception of the Holy Spirit, and that is the proper exercise of faith. Okay? Now... Um, There is a statement, it's in Review and Herald, um, October uh, 18, 1898, and it's one of those really important statements. It's just one sentence long, but I'll repeat it to you, and I want to ponder this with you for a little bit. And it's talking about faith and the exercise of faith, and it's Review and Herald, October 18, 1898, and it says this. It says, the knowledge, the knowledge The knowledge of what the word of God means when urging upon us the necessity of exercising faith is more essential than all other 
knowledge that can be acquired. Okay? Just, I'm going to repeat that again. I want you to think about this just a little bit. So it says, the knowledge of what the word of God means, the knowledge of what the word of God means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith. Cultivating means you nurture it, you, you exercise it so that it grows. The knowledge of what the scripture means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than all the knowledge that can be acquired. Okay? So let's think a little bit here about what faith is, how it can be cultivated, and and how we can exercise it. Okay? We definitely know that faith comes by the word of God. Romans 10. Okay? Faith comes by the word of God. Now, to to think about this from the the warning side, um, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says in verse 6, it says, without faith it is impossible. What's the rest of it say? Yeah. Exactly. It, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't do it. Okay. Uh, and, and as you'll read in the previous chapter, when Paul said, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no, no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. This is like absolutely vital. If there's no faith, you have no connection with God. None. If you have a little bit of faith, you're going to get a little bit of blessing. Great faith, large faith, strong faith, you're going to get more. And then when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you read what the people did through faith, it's really a jaw dropper. Do I have that kind of faith? Who out of weakness were made strong, who waxed valiant in flight, fight, uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Uh, they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, out of weakness were made strong. Very impressive list of what was done. Do I really have faith? And, and is my faith in a position where I'm receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain? Okay? So the, 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 the passage says, the knowledge of what the word of God means when urging upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. Now, when you go to Hebrews chapter, I'll just observe this with you very briefly. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, of course, verse 5 is a lovely verse. It says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Um, Obviously, Enoch would not be walking in the bright world right now as a glorified man uh, for about 5,000 years if he had not had faith. He just wouldn't be there. And by the way, God's going to translate a group of people here at the end of time. They are not going to be translated unless they have faith. Okay? It's just not going to happen. Now, when you go to verse uh, 6 in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay? And then it gives two def- def- definitions of faith there. Two definitions of faith. For he that cometh to God must believe, number one. Number one. He doesn't do one and two, but it's two points there. He says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 6, he says, He that cometh to God must believe that he, what? Is. In other words, that he exists. He's there. He's Almighty God on the throne of the universe. He knows everything. He has all power. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He does pass out rewards. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Two things. You believe that God exists and you believe he will hear your prayers. 
You believe that God exists and you believe that he will answer you according to his word and according to your faith. Okay? So that's what faith is. Now, there is a story in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 8 where there was a Roman centurion came to Christ and uh, he said, you know what? He said, Lord, he said, I have a servant who's at home sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. And he said, I need you to heal him. She said, I'll be glad to. He said, I'll come to your house. Ah, Centurion said, absolutely not. He said, I am not worthy that you should come to my house. I am not worthy you should come under my roof. He says, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And then he, to persuade the Lord of his line of argument, he said, I'm a man of authority. And I say to my servant, do this and he doeth. And I say to my soldier, do this and he does it. And whatever I say, they do. And then he said this. He said, I'm, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. He said, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, there's two things. There's a couple things to be observed here. The centurion expected the word of Christ to do what it promised. And he depended on the word of Christ to do what it had promised. Okay? So faith is expecting the word of God to do what it has promised us. And faith is depending on the word of God to do what it has promised us. So we are to expect that God will hear our prayers. And we are to depend upon his word that he will fulfill his word. That's faith. And Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said that Joshua lived by faith. You know, J.A. Wiley comments on the life of Martin Luther. And uh, he says there were uh, a, a number of men in Luther's time that would be on a, uh, a, a par with him intellectually as far as knowledge and so forth. But he said no one, no one matched Luther for faith. He was a mighty man of faith. And you know what, brothers and sisters? We need faith now. In these last days. Now, if you feel that you lack faith, I want to read you uh, something just uh, briefly here in the book uh, Desire of Ages. This is page 429. It is about a paragraph. Uh, allow me to read this. I think it's worth uh, drinking in here uh, briefly. If thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth, it is faith. So we, as we learn, faith depends upon the word of God to do what it says, and it expects the word of God to do what it says. It is faith that connects us with heaven and brings us strength for coping with the powers of darkness. In Christ, God has provided means for subduing every sinful trait and resisting every temptation, however strong. So we can, in Christ... Every simple trait can be subdued, and every temptation can be resisted, no matter how strong. Now, here's what you need to listen to also. <clears throat> but many feel that they lack faith. Listen now. And therefore, they remain away from Christ. How much of you and I have been guilty of doing that? Many feel that they lack faith and therefore they remain away from Christ. Let these souls in their helpless unworthiness 
cast themselves upon the mercy of their compassionate Savior. Look not to self, but to Christ. He who healed the sick and cast out demons when he walked among men is the same mighty Redeemer today. Faith comes by the word of God. Then grasp his promise, John six thirty seven. grasp his promise. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Do you know what that means? No wise cast out. It's impossible to be turned away from Christ if you come to him in faith. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John six thirty seven. Commenting on a little bit more, it says, Cast yourself at his feet with a cry, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. You can never perish while you do this. Never. Okay? Now, that was Desire of Ages 429. I want to read another statement and This is an Ellen White quote, and I don't have the reference here in front of me. It's in the book. But anyway, I just want to read this. Listen, along the same line. There are many who seem to feel that they have a great work to do themselves before they can come to Christ for his salvation. They seem to think that Jesus will come in at the very last of their struggle and give them help by putting the finishing touch in their life work. I'm going to start again, read that again. There are many who seem to feel that they have a great work to do themselves before they can come to Christ for his salvation. Do you have any of that kind of thinking? Uh, I mean, just think about it. Do you have any of that kind of thinking? There are many who seem to feel that they have a great work to do for themselves before they can come to Christ for his salvation. They seem to think that Jesus will come in at the very last of their struggle and give them help by putting the finishing touch to their life work. It seems difficult for them to understand that Christ is a complete Savior And able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Okay? Look, brothers and sisters, we have got to trust Jesus for absolutely everything. Whatever physical problems you have, mental problems you have, spiritual problems you have, circumstantial problems you have, battles with the powers of darkness and evil angels, we have got to depend on Christ for everything. Remember, Peter talks about manifold temptations. That means many-sided. They're coming at you from all kinds of directions. And he talks about manifold temptations. He also talks about the manifold grace of God. I don't care what crack or corner or direction the devil's coming at you or what uh, your problems are. Do not give in. Depend on the Savior. Okay? So, faith is expecting the Word of God to do what it says and depending on the Word of God to do what it says. Got that? All right. All right. So here's another thing, brothers and sisters, it's got to happen. Here's, we're on to another subject now. Here's another thing that has to happen in order for the Spirit of God to be poured out. I'm not saying these are in the order of importance or anything like that, but these are all things that I am certain have to happen before the Spirit of God can be poured out. Okay? And that is, the Holy Spirit is not going to be poured out upon a group of professed believers who are not witnessing for Christ and doing the work of God in their lives as best they can. It's not going to happen. Brothers and sisters, I want to share something with you. I have a little book here. 
uh, was written by a brother. In fact, I was up at the Michigan camp meeting. I went to this brother's seminar, and um, it, it was really good. But anyway, this, the, this brother, his name is Wes McDonald. He's written a little book called Let My Pastors Go. Okay? Let My Pastors Go. And uh, one of the things he, he uh, traces in here is that when you look at the Adventist denomination from the time of its formal organization in 1863, then up to 1932, you had a multiplication of churches in North America from the beginning of that time to 18 times more than when they started in about a 69-year period, okay? The following about 85 years up until 2017, you only had... In 85 years, you only had a multiplication of Adventist churches by two and a half times. I'm rounding out the figures just a little bit, okay? And he points out that what happened after Ellen White's death, there was a regression as far as the way they approached the work. The pastors tended to hover over the churches more. Um, and Look, uh, this, this whole thing, and I'm not here to criticize per se what we're doing right now, but I do believe we really need to open up our minds and our eyes to the approach that we're having. Brothers and sisters, there's a whole world out there that needs to be saved, and I fear that, and I believe, and you may agree with me, that we are self, we are being self-consumed on nurturing our own spiritual life, and we are, we are lacking in the outreach, the activity, and the work as it should be done. Okay? All right? So, look, here's what's happening. I'm not saying this critically. I'm just looking at the, the reality of it. Here's what's happening. When a church has a settled, has a pastor, there is a tendency to depend on the man and allow the man to mold the work instead of looking to God and depending on God. I want to, I want to read you a statement here in the book Testimonies of Ministers. There's a whole batch of statements. Um, but this is one I think that is very interesting. The fields are all white unto the harvest. Sowers and reapers are needed just now. Sowers and reapers, both. Now listen. The time you devote to imparting constantly to those who are under... Excuse my my mouth. Let me do this again. The time you devote to imparting constantly to those who understand the message of warning... Okay, in other words... They understand the message. They've heard it. Okay. The time you devote will not give one-tenth of the strength they would receive in taking hold of the work to communicate life to, to save perishing souls. You know what this is saying? That to merely preach to a congregation is not doing them even 10% of the good that it would do if you would put them to work and they would go out and start saving souls. You know, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, this summer I was, of course, you know, I do door to work, door work and all that. But, um, I was, um, yeah, I had needed some gas or anyway, I thought I'm going to put gas in my tank. So I stopped at a gas station. So I go into the gas station to pay for my gas. And I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, I said, I have a book. I have a gift for you. I said, here's a book on what's happening to freedoms in America, how history repeats itself, how the Bible's absolutely true, and how Jesus wants you in heaven. Ah, she said, fantastic. She said, I got a couple friends that I'm going to share this with. I said, well, I'd be glad to give you two more. I said, I've got them in my van. So I went out, pumped my gas, came back in, and um, she said, you must be an angel. I said, I am not an angel. 
I said, but I have one that goes with me. She went like this. So uh, this week I stopped at a Taco Bell. I don't stop at restaurants very much, but I did. Anyway. So when I got my food, I gave the young man a Steps to Christ. I drove down the road a few blocks, stopped to pause to eat, and I pulled the burrito out, and it was beef and not beans. I don't eat meat. So I went back to the window. I said, I need a bean burrito. Went back around through. The young man said, you know what? He said, same guy at the window. He said, you absolutely made my day by giving me that book. He said, I just had a heart incident with a relative today. He said, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was six years old. I said, I have another really good book. And I gave him the book, Ray Controversy. He was very happy for it. He said, I'll read these books. He was very happy for it. You know, there's a church uh, near to me where um, um, once a month, there's a few of us that we set up a table. There's a display right in town where they block off the streets and a lot of businesses set up their table, display tables. And so we set up a table and pass out books. So you got people, there's maybe a couple thousand people milling around there and going up and down. So they're going down the streets, they're going down behind us. And there was a couple of us uh, that were real actively passing out. And the Lord helped us in three hours, both times to pass out 150 great controversies, plus maybe about 80 other books. The last time that I was there, there was a young man, he came by and he said, you know, he said, I gave him steps to Christ and I gave him the book, Great Controversy. He said, I need religion. He said, I'm a very sinful person. Brothers and sisters, do you realize there are so many people that are without God and without hope in the world and that you are needed? Do you realize that the pastor only has two feet, one mouth? And you, as a congregation, collectively have more than 100 feet and more than 50 miles, and you can get to a whole bunch of people that the pastor will never get to. You realize that? Look, brothers and sisters, if you're passing out a book, if you say nothing else but this, ma'am, here's a gift for you. It'll give you a lot of hope to read. You can make it that simple. It doesn't always have to be a lecture or an explanation. Sometimes it can be a little bit more. I remember one young man I was talking to, and somehow he had, he had read something by a book by Ellen White before, and uh, uh, so there was someone else with me. And as we as we um, were sharing the books, anyway, here's the comment the young man made. He, this guy, this young man, was only 18, old, 18 years old. He's not a Seventh Day Adventist, but here's what he said. He said, "When I read books by Ellen G. White, he said I feel the Spirit of God resting upon me." Wow. He said, why don't more people know about those books? I could go on and tell you some more stories. When you look up the book Acts of the Apostles, page 54, page 55, I'm going to summarize because I don't have the book in front of me, but it says this. It talks about God's messengers that are around in in giving out the message in the world. And it says this. It says, as they continue to let their light shine... As they continue to let their light shine, they will receive more and still more of the Spirit's power. Thus, the earth will be lightened with the glory of God. As they continue to let their light shine, they will receive more and still more of the Spirit's power. Thus, they will be lightened with the glory of God. So if you want more than ten times the blessing that there is from coming to church, 
go out and start witnessing to other people. I'm not saying it's easy all the time. But you know what? God is extremely interested in this work. Brothers and sisters, we've got to analyze our daily habits, our weekly habits, and how we're spending our time. Am I genuinely, as a Christian, walking with Christ, carrying a burden for souls, doing what I can to get out literature, books, pray for lost souls, trying to give Bible studies, whatever way we can get the message out to others, am I doing this or am I simply coming and consuming spiritual blessings and degenerating as a Seventh-day Adventist? These are questions that we really need to ask ourselves. Okay? So may the Lord help us in our in the great need that we have to get this message out. I'd like to spend just a few more moments on this thought and wrap up uh, with one other um, subject and not spend too much of your time. I'm now reading in the book Great Controversy from the um, chapter, the final warning. Powerful chapter, the final warning. You know, Jesus is going to come suddenly and unexpectedly. You know, the close of probation is going to come suddenly and unexpectedly. You know, the final events are going to come suddenly and with blinding force. Brothers and sisters, just because we have somewhat of a cozy turn or a normal turn in our everyday routine, don't be lulled into a fatal security. Be wide awake. Watch and pray. Here it's talking about the... um, final message being given, this is an encouragement to get out the literature. It's a powerful way to um, get the message out to people. Servants of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven. By thousands of voices all over the earth, the warning will be given. Miracles will be wrought. The sick will be healed. Signs and wonders will follow the believers. Satan also works with lying wonders, even bringing down fire from heaven in the sight of men. Thus, the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. Then the concluding paragraph. The message, this is now when the loud cry, the laddering goes out in power. The message will not be carried so much by argument as by the deep conviction of the Spirit of God. The arguments have been presented. The seed has been sown and now will spring up and bear fruit. The publications distributed by missionary workers have exerted their influence, yet many whose minds were impressed have been prevented from fully comprehending the truth or from yielding obedience. Now the rays of light penetrate everywhere. The truth is seen in its clearness, and the honest children of God sever the bands which have held them. Family connections, church relations are powerless to stay them now. Truth is more precious than all besides, notwithstanding the agencies combined against the truth, a large number take their stand on the Lord's side. Get that, method, get that literature out, brothers and sisters. And you know what I often do is I'm connecting with a, another person to get a piece of literature in their hand. I send up a silent prayer and I say, God, help me give this person a book. One man, he would not bite on what I was saying. I mean, he wouldn't accept it. And we spent quite a few moments. I try, was trying to interest him in the book. 
Finally, he looked on the back spine of the book, and he saw the name White on there. He said, who's the author of this book? I said, I said E.G. White. He said, no. He said, what's the author's full name? I said, Ellen G. White. And when I said Ellen G. White, he said, I will take that book. You know why? Because he had read something else by Ellen White. And he was very impressed with it, and he was willing to take it. So we, in order to receive the latter rain, here's just a few of the points. We've got to put away our sins uh, by the grace of Christ. We must receive the righteousness of Christ, which is the power of God. Brothers and sisters, when you receive the word of God, you are receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay? Peter says you are born again by the word of God. And Christ says you are born again by the Holy Spirit. When we receive the word in faith, and we can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, um, he will be there to help us. I'm just going to mention this as rapidly as some as incidentally mention them. These are not incidentals, but I'm going to incidentally mention them. <clears throat> One of the things that affects the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is is health. Okay, and there and I'm sorry I don't have the reference. I can look it up. I got the book right with me, but I will tell you this: in the fifth volume of the testimonies, it says that you will be more receptive to the Holy Spirit if you eat healthy food. Okay. By the way, when the latter rain goes forth, and even under the early rain, one of the main approaches to our getting out the message is going to be the medical missionary work. Do you realize helping people with their physical needs? There are so many physical needs. We should all, to some extent, be medical missionaries, understanding certain basics of health and physiology and so forth, so we can help people. But in the fifth volume of the testimonies, it says that if you eat healthy food, you'll be more receptive to the Holy Spirit. If you look up Desire of Ages, page 277 and 278, there is a statement there that lends itself very clearly to this point. You can look up the reference that also fasting makes you more receptive to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because these are things that improve the health and so forth. Now, obviously the Holy Spirit is not going to be poured out without prayer. The Holy Spirit's not going to be poured out if God's people are not gathering together. Did you realize? It's maybe around page 508, but it says there very plainly in the book Testimonies of the Ministers that at the convocations of camp meeting and the home church and other gatherings where there's labor for souls, these are the appointed occasions where the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. Brothers and sisters, we must not leave off fellowshipping together. We must gather together. This is divine counsel uh, for these last days. But I just want to mention this briefly, and I've already mentioned it to some extent. But in order to, for us to have a connection with the Holy Spirit, we must be meditating and reading the Word of God. The entire Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit and given by the Holy Spirit. If you want a connection with the Holy Spirit, you will read your Bible carefully, and you will meditate upon its truths, and you will feed on its truths. Read in the book of Revelation repeatedly, repeatedly. If any man here have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. If you want to have a connection with the Holy Spirit, open your minds, open your Bibles, and 
read and ponder the word of God. And not merely for the fun of it, but partly for the fun of it, I like to memorize chapters from the Bible because I believe someday I'm going to really need that. Uh-huh, yeah. Get all, get all the verses in your head you can. Remember, quanti- quality is first when it comes to memorizing. Quality is first. If you stick with quality, that is, you really get them memorized, then you'll eventually end up with quantity. It's pretty nice to be able to survey a chapter or a book in your mind and go right to what you want. As much as we can, we need the word of God in our minds. Okay? Yeah. Now, there is a principle in the Bible that says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. You familiar with that? It's repeated the Old Testament, New Testament, multiple times. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. When you go to Revelation chapter 11, you will read a description of two witnesses who prophesy 1,203 score days, clothed in sackcloth. Those two witnesses are the Old and New Testament. But it mentions two. I believe, personally, that God has given his people in these last days, based on this spiritual or this biblical concept, a third witness. And that third witness is the writings of Ellen G. White. Okay? I want to read to you a statement here from... um, Cole Porter Ministry, page 126. Now, this is talking in this paragraph about the books Desire of Ages, Patriarchs and Prophets, and the book Great Controversy. Here's what it says on page 126. How many have read carefully Patriarchs and Prophets, the Great Controversy, and the Desire of Ages? How many? I wish all to understand that my confidence in the light that God has given stands firm because I know that the Holy Spirit's power magnified the truth and made it honorable, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. In my books, the truth is stated, barricaded by a thus saith the Lord. Now listen to this next sentence. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit traced, she's talking about the book she wrote, the Holy Spirit traced these truths upon my heart and mind as indelibly as the law was traced by the finger of God upon the tables of stone. She does not back off. And I personally accept her as an inspired messenger of God. When Ellen White said of her writings, I am a lesser light to lead to the greater light, she was not saying my books are less inspired, but one thing she had to be saying was that we use the greater light, the Bible, to decide whether or not she's a true prophet and she has passed the test. Okay, now I'm going to finish where I started and then we'll be all done. Okay, in reviewing here, October 18, 1898, it says the knowledge that the scripture urges upon us when it talks about the importance of, of 
or excuse me, let me start again. The, the knowledge that the word of God means when it urges upon us the necessity of cultivating faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. In other words, how to cultivate faith is more essential than any other knowledge that can be acquired. Okay? Here's what faith is. Faith is expecting the word of God to do what it says and depending on the word of God to do what it says. So whatever our mental problems are, our emotional problems are, our spiritual problems are, our circumstantial problems are, no matter what attacks we are getting from satanic forces, we are to depend upon the word of God and expect the word of God to do what it says and depend upon the word of God to do what it says. And there is no greater power than that through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God bless you. And we're going to sing our closing song, have a closing prayer.